0: Hey friends, welcome to the Taylor May podcast with Taylor Joy. I'm your host, Taylor, and I am beyond excited that you tuned in today. This podcast is all about giving one of my friends a seat at the table to share their story. You will hear questions and conversations revolved around faith, hardship, community, life journeys, and so much more. As you listen, I really hope you find these stories to be inspiring as you take your next step into the story God is specifically tailoring for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to TaylorMade. This episode is a good one. It's powerful, it's raw, and it's impactful, honestly. Bethany has gone through a lot this past year, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I asked for her to be on this podcast, because what she has gone through is a lot for a 20-year-old, and I know her words of experience her words of pain, and her words of joy will impact your heart today. Just know that you're not alone in any pain of loss that you're dealing with because Bethany knows firsthand how real and raw that is. So without giving too much away, please enjoy Bethany's story on TaylorMade. Yeah, Go in. We're recording. Perfect. Oh, the little bumps. And, and I will also be... Looking at the computer... From time to time, just in case. Just to make sure everything's yeah, make still sure. going. Still okay, perfect. Um, but yesterday, I went over to my grandparents' house, and mm. I got to bring all this equipment because it's so portable. Right. And we could, just got to have a conversation. I kind of interviewed them because, you know, they're getting older and everything, and so now they have that for That's so cool. Us to, and yeah. you can always
1: go back and listen to it whenever you want. Yeah. So There's this app yeah. that we had when my mom was in the hospital, and I don't know the name of it now, but it's an interview app where you can ask standard questions or you Mm -hmm. can create your own and it's similar to a podcast but it's stored in this app and it's almost as if it's a storyboard type of thing and you get to know somebody's life and put it on um, a file that you can always send a friend or go back and refer to and i don't know where we got it but we did one with my mom i have yet to listen to it Mm. yet but we asked her similar to what you do with your grandparents, all these questions. and um, it's amazing to have those things to that's really cool. Go back and listen to. It's yeah. different than just a picture, but to be able to listen to somebody's voice right and be able to feel their comfort, mm. especially
0: when they're no longer here is crazy. So oh, dang.
1: Just reminded me to listen to that. I haven't yeah, I haven't.
0: Yeah. Is that, I mean, obviously that's, I mean, so special and dear to your heart to like hear the voice of your mom. That's, that's so cool. I didn't even know there was an app like
1: that. Yeah. I, my uncle, when he was in town, my mom's brother was so into this idea of doing some sort of interview with her Mm. to be able to have her voice recorded in the last few moments of her life. And we did it actually when she was at home on hospice and um, just asked her questions about her past and about her kids and mm. um, yeah it, there's probably so much to it that I don't even remember asking her when we recorded it because it was a very hard thing to do in the moment yeah, yeah for sure she had trouble even answering some questions herself so that'll be a special moment when I'm ready to go back thing, and listen to yeah. it because I think that will be a pretty hard thing to right. to listen to right
0: totally it's special yeah so special my gosh Of course. Okay. So, yeah, let's jump on in. It's recording right now. So, hello, Bethany. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. Oh, of course. (laughs) I've I've actually known you for a very, very long time. Yeah. I think we could
1: go back way longer than even reconnecting through our church ethos. Yeah. Back to when we were in junior high, when I was in elementary school, Mm -hmm. actually. I'm sure we met way yeah. longer than we even remember oh
0: yeah for sure and i know you're the same grade as my sister brooke mm-hmm. so like having that connection and then knowing your your sister and having mm-hmm. uh middle school and high school with her like i've known you for a very long time yeah, it's which just come so full much. circle though it has yeah and i think it was probably like a year and a half ago where i you you came back to Eastside or ethos after your transitions um in college and i was like oh my gosh she's back I haven't seen this face in a very, very long time and then able to
1: engage with that. But it clicked. And I feel mm -hmm. like making that full circle connection with people in your life is one of the most special things that can Mm -hmm. happen to you. And I've had that happen with more than one people in my life where life happens. Mm -hmm. But then it happens again and it brings you back together. And you're so amazed by how much this other person has done in the time that you haven't been together and you're able to catch up and then walk the next season of life together, Mm, which I think is kind of what happened with us. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
0: exactly. And now that you're here and, you know, we became, you know, closer friends and getting to see this past, like, like you said, like your journey when I wasn't super, super close with you to now where you're at now of like a lot of, lot of growth. Um, in this past year, which I can't mm-hmm. wait to touch on. But before we step into that, I'd love to know just who you are. Who is Bethany Stover? Yeah.
1: Well, hello guys. Uh, my name is Bethany. I am 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking about this question. Actually, yeah. I was like, the first question she's going to ask me is tell me about yourself. <laughs> Just and a little recap. It's an interesting question because I think the person I am today is so different than the person I was last week to the person I was mm-hmm. a month ago to the person I was six months ago. But the Bethany in the here and the now is exploring herself. She's a college student. Yeah. Full time. And I'm studying communications and looking into adding a double major for sociology.
0: Nice. Did I know this?
1: No. New things are happening. (laughs) I'm telling you, every day I I wake up and I learn something new about myself. Mm. But I am just kind of going about life one day at a time right now. And I live with my dad at home, my childhood home. I've been local to the Fullerton area my entire life, besides Mm. adventuring out for college and finding my way back home. And... That idea of coming full circle, I think, has happened in a lot of areas of my life. And um, I'm I'm finally making a full circle to kind of figuring out who I am. So that question is such an easy one to answer, but such a hard one to put into words. Mm. Because who I am right now is just a girl who's finding herself. As cheesy as that sounds. Mm. Um, I've stripped away a lot of my past, and now I'm just kind of at that transitional season of life where Mm -hmm. you can truly take a step in any direction. And right now I'm just kind of figuring out what direction I'm heading in, which is a fun but scary part of life. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's awesome. In school, busy, part-time job, Mm -hmm. and investing a lot of time in myself and to the people around me that have been supporting me through this
0: hard season of life. Mm, That's awesome. That's really cool. And you're 20. And I think that's so it it comes it's normal for obviously 20 year olds. But uh, with that comes a lot of a lot of unknowns. And I know you've been experienced that uh, this past year, but kind of going back in time a little bit, you were a full time gymnastics Queen. <laughs> right? I love that. Yes. Put that so, on my Instagram oh. bio.
1: <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah.
0: What what was that like? I know, I mean, I was a dancer. I get that world. Performance. Um, you know, it's very, very much a a world that is a lot sometimes. Like, how was that journey for you being in that?
1: It was a lot of pressure. To put it point blank, it was hard. It wasn't always fun. But it was a passion, and I believe that when somebody's passionate about something, the hard and ugly parts of it are just things that come with the territory, and you learn to overcome them. And growing up being a competitive athlete, pretty much since the time I was able to walk, Mm. quite frankly, it was an everyday routine to get up, You know feed myself a healthy breakfast go out the door to school pack my gym clothes with me go straight to practice driving upwards to two hours to get to a gym where i knew i would have the best coaches the best facilities the best chance at winning and i was a competitive athlete i wanted to beat everybody Mm. i wanted to win every competition and within that comes a lot of competition within yourself to do better to work harder And I have a very athletic, competitive mindset in all areas of my life, which can come with a lot of negative aspects to it. But I think being a young child and having that mental toughness and the tenacity to work through some really difficult times physically. I mean, I was working my body to like the core, Mm. went through some very serious injuries at a young age, and even an injury that made me retire from the sport so I've seen all sides of it with being on top being a world champion to being on the sidelines and no longer being able to even participate in a sport Mm -hmm. that once labeled my entire identity because going back to that question of who is Beth if you would have asked me that you know at any point in my childhood, up until my freshman year of college, I would have told you that I was a D1 athlete or I was a gymnastics, you know, superstar. Like I was an athlete. That was who I was and that was all I was Mm. because it took up that much time in my my life that I Mm. sacrificed so many other areas. And I believe that that set me up to have a hard transition into the real world. Where you lose that identity at one point. Nobody is an athlete their entire life. Even professional athletes have to come to a point where they hang up their shoes. They hang up their jersey. You know. And I think that was a very humbling aspect of being an athlete that I got to experience being on the top. I got to experience being on the bottom and then I got to experience a really hard transition out of a sport and becoming what we call a normal person. Yeah. And it's hard because you wear this identity of being an athlete for so long that I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know who I was and that's really the part of my story where I found my identity through being a child of God. And that's where I really started my walk with God. But, you know, going back to being a young child and being under enormous amounts of pressure, it helped me to work well under pressure. And I believe that I can put up some of the bravest faces, even in the hardest of times, Mm. I know how to put on a smile and perform even when I really don't want to and I'm nervous as heck or Mm -hmm. I'm stressed or I'm in pain. I know how to smile and push through that because of being an athlete that had to perform under any and all circumstances. Mm. But, you know, it came with a lot of self-doubt. It came with a lot of self-pity and a lot of internal battles because i was always just so competitive within myself wanting to be better pushing myself to the brink of exhaustion and looking around and seeing so many people my age and i'm talking like when i'm 12 i'm going through all of Gosh, this stuff yeah and seeing kids having playdates and going to the movies with their friends or having sleepovers and i didn't get to experience any of that because At the age of 12, I was worried about already getting a college scholarship for this sport. So it it comes with a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. and it comes with a lot of people giving their opinions. You're judged quite literally every weekend of your life by a stranger giving you a number telling you this is your value. Mm -hmm. You're not a 10.0 today. You're a 9.5. And let me tell you, you didn't want to see that number when you were competing So to be so used to being judged with numbers um, and by people telling me their opinions on the way that I performed, the way that I looked, the way that I, you know, needed to up my difficulty or always do something better, just really set up my foundation in life to be a go-getter, a work harder, go the extra mile kind of person. But at what cost do you let that consume your life? And I've had to learn that lesson the hard way more than once. And I'll continue to learn that because it's just a part of my identity to be that athletic, competitive, Mm -hmm. I want to win this race kind of person. And like I said, it it does come with um, a lot of harsh realities, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not gone through such an intense (laughs) upbringing. But I'm grateful for it. But it was hard. It wasn't fun. I miss out on a lot.
0: Hmm. So with, you kind of mentioned, you know, the, the breaking point for you F- finally realizing, you know, this isn't my identity anymore. Can you tell me more about that? Like what, what changed that for you? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, what changed that for me was losing
1: the control to even have that identity, um, getting injured, going through an intensive surgery, coming out of that with all the hope in the world to be back on the floor, be in the starting lineup, and, and at this point, I'm a freshman in college, so mm. I had gotten that D1 scholarship. I was at the University of Oregon, you know, known for their sports. And to be there and have so much stripped away from me and have doctors tell me that I wouldn't be able to compete anymore and I would have to quite literally hang up my jersey and be done, it was devastating and it was out of my control. The injury I had wasn't like I just fell and broke my leg and on that moment I knew it was over. It was something that was more of a chronic injury and push through the pain as you learn to do when you're an athlete. You kind of learn to save the tears for your pillow and I worked through a lot of pain and it just built up to a point where it was not really an injury that could be completely fixed anymore. So I think that I was put in a position where I had to choose to let go of that because it wasn't in my control anymore. And I had Mm -hmm. to choose to take the next step forward and walk into a season of life where I had no idea what I was even going to do with my time. I mean, when you're a student athlete in college, your day is set up for you that every minute you have something to do. You're either at tutoring, you're at study hall, you're at practice, you're at rehab, you're getting physical therapy, you're at You know, any other event that you're needed to be at. There's something set up for you so that you are always busy. And coming home from school and moving out of a dorm to back into my childhood bedroom, leaving a university, coming back to a community college, and leaving a sport and being, in my eyes, a nobody was awful. Mm. It was humiliating. I had to really just <laughs> hold my head up as high as I could and act as if I had it all together and then finally there was a moment where I was at a coffee shop and the lady taking my order you could always tell by the way my body is shaped that I'm physically fit and the stature of a gymnast and she just asked me she was like do you happen to like were you a gymnast I was like yeah most people can tell by the way I look and Mm -hmm. she had asked me if I was still training and I told her I was like well I actually just moved back home a week ago from the university I was on scholarship at and I had an injury and I'm not anything anymore and I kind of laughed about it in a way (laughs) that I just was upset she could tell Mm -hmm. and mind you she was just the barista behind the counter that was (laughs) taking my coffee order right And she had looked up at me and she said, I want you to know that your identity does not lie within what you do, what you say, or who you are to other people or on paper, your identity as being a child of God. And she hadn't even known that I was a Christian or a believer. She just said that to me. And it was as if I swear an angel came out of the sky and threw her body out of her words and spoke directly to me. And it was just this light bulb moment of like, I don't have to be what everybody wants me to be, or I don't have to be this world champion gymnast or this, you know, on paper, perfect resume, like none of that matters at the end of the day. I'm just, my identity is not what I do. It is that I am a child of God and wherever I go, I can carry that with me. And I sat there with my jaw open, just staring at her for the next hour (laughs) that I was at this coffee shop, just like this stranger just automatically could tell that I was something and then I wasn't and she was able to within two sentences completely change my perspective and from that moment I I honestly use that as like a defining moment I was like that is right I am a child of God and I'm gonna take this journey with faith Mm. and kind of let him lead the way and that kind of was what pulled the trigger to you know, the next season of my life, which was a lot of processing and a lot of hard work and going through a lot of things that I had to deal with. But that was a a huge moment for me where I was like,
0: wow, that is who I am, you know? Dang. And for you to still remember that, obviously it's something that has stuck with you for a while now. I will always remember it.
1: It truly was a moment that I felt God speaking to me. And if, you know, I ever share that story to people, they kind of look at me the way you are right now. Like, wow, like Mm. (laughs) she was a stranger in your life. And that was a moment where I felt God, it wasn't that I was at church or that I was, you know, praying to him or trying to ask him to speak to me. It was a moment of pure, just, you know, chance that I was somewhere with someone who had something to say to me and it Mm -hmm. just literally spoke to me. And, I think those are the best situations and the most likely situations where you'll feel god are in those moments where
0: you don't expect him to be there and he's like nope i'm here i'm talking to you like i'm following you (laughs) right i know what Uh, you're doing that's so good wow thanks for sharing that i think i mean obviously it 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 is hard when you know what 16 years of your life this is who you've been Mm -hmm. and forgot to invade that and to be like nope that's not who you are. Yeah. That's not how I see you. Yeah. Those are gifts that I've given you, but like focus on the bigger and better right. thing.
1: Right. Mm, mm-hmm. That's
0: awesome. So then you moved back home from Oregon and you're trying to figure out life and who Beth is and what's going mm-hmm. on with Beth and her heart and, you know, finding community and transition. And that's when you came to ethos. And I thought, wow, this girl's incredible. Right. Um, and then a few months later, what happens?
1: Well, so yeah, to even add to that, I was, in a way, just completely finding myself again, and in those next few months of after moving home, getting back into a school, and um, getting a job, diving, you know, full into ethos, volunteering, mm-hmm. getting onto a small group, and filling up my week with things that truly filled me up as a person. And I felt very involved in other people's lives. So I finally got to this point where like, wow, I'm good. You know, I was doing my biblical therapy and I was reading the Bible. I was doing so much for myself that I never had the time to do before because of my (laughs) unhuman like schedule. Right. And so, you know, a couple months go by and I do get to this point where I'm like, feeling good on my own. I'm feeling more secure in my day-to-day life. And it was almost a year ago uh, in October. I was actually with you. We were at Drip, Drip. Coffee. Drip. Okay, that's what I yes, thought. Yes, was, I was with you. Was and yeah. we were having a little one-on-one about the next project we were going to, you know, yeah. pursue with our um, young adults at Eastside. And I get a call from my dad probably... 10 minutes before we met like I was literally just getting off the phone with him before he walked in and a little backstory my um mom and dad you know both were living at home at the time that I moved back and my mom was going through some health issues almost as if she got sick and just kind of never got better but when you know you're a student and working like I am I don't see my mom as often on the day-to-day and um but she was struggling and things were declining and it's hard to really give details as to what was happening because when you're around somebody every day you don't see those small changes until one day you wake up and you're like wow my mom keeps asking me if we're going to church today and i told her mom it's not sunday it's wednesday Hmm. you know and then an hour goes by and she asked me are we going to church today i was like no mom it's it's wednesday and things started to really concern me. She wasn't able to, to drive anymore confidently. She'd gotten in a car accident and she had a lot of fears about her day-to-day responsibilities, which as a mom is a lot. Yeah. So, um, there was something wrong with her. Her personality had changed. Her demeanor had changed and her physical stature had changed. She looked sick, but there was no answer and doctors weren't looking in the right area. They were yeah. checking off, you know, well, it's not this and it's not this and it's not this. So, Um, A couple, you know, weeks had gone by where we were just trying to find an answer and ignorance is bliss. So you you just keep hoping that, oh, she just, you know, has maybe something that antibiotics can fix, you know, we'll finally find the answer. So that's kind of where my head was. It wasn't something that haunted me every day that something was wrong with her, but I knew deep inside something was. So flash forward to getting coffee with you about 10 minutes before. I remember it was October 30th because it was the day before Halloween. And so almost a year ago. Mm. And I'd gotten a call from my dad and he said, hey, um, I'm with your mom right now and we just got an MRI done. And um, well your mom has a tumor. And, um, I immediately said in her brain, huh? And I just, I just knew that if, you know, my mom's whole personality had changed, something was going wrong in her head. Mm. You know, doctors were looking at her stomach and digestion and colon and all of that. But it was almost as if I knew before he called that something was wrong with her, with her brain. And, um, I said, okay, do I need to come to the hospital right now? And he said, no, Um, they're going to have to do surgery, though, tomorrow morning, first thing. So your sister and your brother, who both live out of state, are getting on a plane right now, and they're heading heading this way. He was very calm and collected about it, but I knew that my life had just changed in that very moment. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, okay, well, I met, you know, I was going about the rest of my day, and he told me just, you know, finish what you're doing and then you can come visit your mom tonight and see her before she goes into surgery.
0: So I hang up the phone and then you walked in and I was, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? (laughs) I honestly, looking back at that time, I remember us being outside and us talking about social media stuff. And, um, you know, I knew something was up, but I didn't know how to pinpoint it, but you did share. I remember you sharing like, Hey, I think, you know, after this, I'll be seeing my mom at the hospital. Yeah. And from that point on, I know that has started an insane journey for yeah. you. A journey that, you know, took only seven months.
1: But what had unfolded in front of my, you know, very eyes is not something that most people my age or most people at all, you know, go through, let alone go through in such a short amount of time Mm. so yeah I woke up the next morning and it was Halloween and I remember so many people telling me what they were going to do that night what you know party they were going to what they were dressing up as still in college and it was just this weird reality check with myself that look your life is going to completely change and A lot of people around you aren't gonna be able to understand. You shouldn't expect everybody to be able to understand, but all the work you had just put in for these last few months to get healthy mentally, obviously God is preparing you for something that you had no idea was coming your way. Hmm. And so I woke up that next morning and I went to the hospital and it was such a weird interaction to process that my mom, at this moment, knew my name. She knew everything. She was, well, she wasn't healthy, but she hadn't had a brain surgery yet. And to be able to see somebody and interact with them and know that they're about to go in for a 12-hour surgery on their brain is terrifying, let alone for you, but for the person that has to endure that, for her to just be so, I mean, still smiling, still making jokes, still... Asking how my day was, I mean, just shows you the kind of person my mom was. And mm. there's not much you can do but hug her and tell her you love her and pray all together before they took her in. And then was I was setting myself up for 12 hours of just the unknown. I mean, mm. we walked into the um, family waiting room and you see other people there and you just wonder like are they waiting to hope that their family member comes out alive for a surgery too? Because mm. I understand their pain and their worry and their fear. And, mm. you know, the doctors gave us every reason to believe that she would come out of it. Okay. And that's all I could, you know, I just let those words just kind of guide me through those next 12 hours. Like she's going to be okay. These doctors are, you know, trained professionals and, and, if anything, I was praying more for their hands to be steady in surgery than for my mom to come out of it. Because I mean, what an intense amount of pressure on somebody to have somebody's life in in your hands. And, and in a way that's how, you know, I can view it with God that his hands were, you know, the ones that were leading my mom through this journey. And she did make it out of that surgery. And I wish I could go back and tell you my reaction and how I felt, but I think that those memories are just jogged from me in a way be- that they're just too hard to really go back to. Mm-hmm. But it was on Halloween and she, you know, made it through a 12 hour surgery. We weren't able to see her that night. So it was frustrating to wait so long to know that she was okay, but to not be allowed to go see her. Yeah. Some of my family members decided to spend the night in the hospital, but I went home that night to take care of the dogs and do things Mm -hmm. that still needed done because life goes on even when your mom's in the hospital. And um, so I go back the next day. And like I said, I knew that the mom that I hugged before surgery would not be a mom I would get to see again. Mm -hmm. And recovering from those surgeries were, and I say surgeries because I forget to mention that about, maybe 32 hours after her first surgery they had confirmed with us that it was indeed brain cancer and what they had removed the matter the area that was you know affected by all of the buildup of cells um they had removed and within that short amount of time more had grown in because that's how aggressive that's how horrible this cancer is it you know it literally is just manifesting and taking over everything inside of her. And it had been for months before we just had no idea. Mm. And, um, so my mom had two 12 hour brain surgeries within a week and she's a tiny lady. Wow. And, um, to be in the hospital room with her in the ICU and a hospital becoming your second home for months was something that, In a way became my identity again you know i had external circumstances that were coming and infiltrating my life and making me feel as if i had to put everything else on hold just to you know be able to even physically be there with my mom i mean i had classes all day still i was in full time semester of my sophomore year the fall semester of my sophomore year and i had to go up to my professors and and tell them hi Um, my mom is in the hospital and I, every day don't know if she's going to make it. So I'm going to try to come to class. I'm going to try to do my assignments, but can you give me some leeway? Yeah. And I mean, it was just something that to even have to tell people and say out loud every time it became more real because there's so many people that you're now having to inform friends, family, co-workers. I mean, it quite literally just completely changed everything. I couldn't go to work anymore. Again, I was struggling to go to school. And um, my mom was in the hospital for over a month and a half because she had to relearn how to, to walk and to talk and to write and to eat. And it it was an amazing miracle story in the moment because she was able to bounce back and be resilient. I mean, she was extremely healthy before going into her surgery physically. I mean, she worked out. She ate healthy. She was in good shape. Mm. So her body was able to miraculously come back from two, like, you you shouldn't even be able to, to open your eyes after these surgeries. And she did. Dang. And... Um, The doctors (laughs) kindly and nicely kind of danced around the subject that she didn't have much time left, so we knew that, but we weren't quite literally told how much time she had left, so we were just enjoying every day. I mean, I would drive to the hospital every day at UCI Medical Center, and I would sit there and color with her. I would have to, you know, help her in the showering aspect because I had to learn how to do it at the hospital so that if she was able to come home, I knew how to... Ac- um, adequately support her and transfer her and all these medical jargon terminology um, that became my reality mm. and I had to understand certain medications and things that I had to give her because I was the only kid living at home and I quickly took on the identity of being a caregiver mm. and it almost comes naturally to you and you're forced to be in that situation. You don't really have to sit there and process and learn. And it's something that I think just comes over you. And you know that you have to be there for this person. And God truly gave me the strength. And I said before, I think he prepared me for this. I had to get tough enough to be able to persevere what would be the worst seven months of my life. Mm. And um, going to the hospital every day just became part of my routine and spending as much time with my mom and you know just quite literally sitting there with her because there was not much more we could do um, until she was able to slowly do physical therapy slowly start to move her legs again slowly start to walk again slowly start to be able to write her name down again and then it started to quickly change to the point where she was on her feet again and she was walking and she was interacting and knew our names and you know Again, it was almost as if she was getting better. Mm. So a couple months go by of just this day-to-day recovery, I would say, until she was released from the hospital to go home. And um, we knew we were still facing cancer. I mean, the surgeries didn't cure her cancer, just kept her alive. Yeah, And... She was then going through the day-to-day ritual of chemo and radiation, which again, now we were living at home, but I was driving her day-to-day to to the hospital to put on what looked like a fencing mask and go under a big scary machine with loud noises and lights and have radiation just be blasted onto her brain and take chemo and you see all that in the movies and you know what sick cancer patients look like and you know that they lose their hair and you know that they start to maybe get scrawny and get lethargic and you know what the typical cancer patient looks like and I had to to watch my mom go through that. Mm. But every day she would find something to do for her nurses. She would write little notes for them and leave a sticky note saying – some sort of cute little kindness quote. She would bake cookies for them. That was her favorite, like, physical therapy thing to do at home was to bake cookies so she could keep her, you know, mind stimulated. And I would help her in the kitchen. I even made a little video of us making cookies together.
0: And mm. she was still, again, just ma- finding a way to make everybody else's day. Yeah. What, with with those, like, bright moments of, like, obviously seeing your mom go through something so traumatic, but then you pointing out, like, those bright light moments what is one of your favorite moments of your time with your mom that kind of has you know you still remember mm-hmm. and you still dwell on
1: mm-hmm. I would say it honestly it wasn't even like one big standout moment but it was more of those little things that you're like wow mm-hmm. the fact that she even like remembered that it was her nurse's birthday today like <laughs> so, you know obviously she got in conversation and because yeah. her birthday was coming up at this point we're in November whatnot her birthday had passed and um I think she'd asked one of the nurses when her birthday was and she'd written it in her calendar somewhere my mom loved to calendar everything out and um she remembered oh it's nurse Susie's birthday like we have to make her cookies and she just had to do these things for people because it truly is what kept her going I think Mm. and to for me not even know who nurse Susie was because there's so many nurses and I could hardly keep track of it but (laughs) for my mom who had brain cancer to remember that and to want to make cookies and just with the biggest smile on her face go and deliver them to her I think that's a standout moment and you know I I just think, again, it was the day-to-day, even the parking attendant at our valet started to recognize who we were. And my mom would just always ask her how her day was. And, you know, she would care so much about a stranger in passing just as much as she would care about, you know, me as her daughter. Mm. And that made me realize how important it is to, to, to make community with people around you that you might otherwise not, but, what good can come out of that and what relationships and the, the value that you can find within somebody else's story. And it, again, no matter what you're going through, whether it be, you know, a hard season of life, cancer, a parents going through a divorce, a breakup, l- having to quit your sport, like you can find community within wherever you are in life. And that is what keeps you going is sometimes just the smallest Interactions with strangers, like I had at the coffee shop, that was like, wow, mm. I am so glad this person asked me how I was doing, or I'm so glad I asked this person how they were doing, because it just completely changed my perspective oh. on the rest of my day. Hmm. So I, I, I think things like that, and you know, I would always try to take videos with my mom or capture moments that were cute or funny things that she did, and she was like no don't take pictures of me (laughs) I don't have any hair anymore and I was like mom you look beautiful and I'd get her to smile about it and to her the outside just didn't even matter to her and Mm -hmm. it clearly showed that her heart is what just like completely
0: shined the brightest of all wow that's so good thanks for sharing that journey and those moments I mean those moments captured on your phone are probably just so special I think that's that speaks a lot of volumes yeah. about your mom's heart. Um, but fast, fast forward to um, just the day that your yeah. life, again, changed. completely <laughs> changed. Yeah. Can you point on that and then um, kind of also point on, you know, what has that taught you? Yeah. So, yeah, fast forward, we
1: go through rounds of treatments and we get the, the bad news that things aren't really getting much better. And um, she actually had a third surgery and that was kind of the the realization that we didn't have much time left and going in for her last surgery was a very, um, urgent, immediate, um, thing. I was actually walking around the block with her at this point in March or so, and she had had a seizure and that was a emergent, okay, something's not right. Take her into the hospital. And from that point on she was put into, um, uh, had her surgery and she's put into like a medically induced coma basically to hope that she would wake up and um you know fast forwarding even through that next month of again being in the hospital waiting for her to get better and this time she didn't get better this time she didn't get out of bed this time she didn't learn how to walk and talk and write again um it was hard and it was one of those things where, again, you look out around you and so many people are just going about their normal lives and you're like, why? Like, why is this happening? Why did this perfect angel of a mother, like, this woman that I finally got to have a relationship with, just as it's getting good, it's getting stripped away from me, like, why do I have to lose this? And it was hard and it sucked, but there was a huge blessing that came with my mom's um, you know, last few moments of life, and we were able to get her home onto hospice, and we knew that in the next few weeks or days, she would peacefully pass, and that's exactly what happened, but the morning um, of her last, of her last day here was June 12th, and I got up, I went to the gym to work out. (laughs) I um, was trying to do anything I could to just distract myself is really what it came down to because, Mm -hmm. again, it was an everyday. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you have this feeling that it's going to happen soon. So I woke up really early because I wasn't able to sleep. I went to work out. And as I'm driving home from the gym, I get a call from my brother and he was just like, hey, um yeah, are you on your way home? And I could tell his somber tone was basically him telling me that there wasn't much time left. So pulled up to the driveway, ran into my mom's bedside and um, just held her hand. And the the last few days leading up to that was pretty much all the same, just sitting on her bedside. She wasn't able to communicate anymore. And truly, I do believe we said all that we could say. We did all that we could do. And we had all the moments that God blessed us with, with that extra time that we otherwise might not have had. Mm -hmm. and that moment of knowing okay this is this is it like this is the day that I've been not waiting for but knowing what's coming it's happening like right now and it was the middle of the day a sunny day in June birds were chirping it was like Mm. you know a perfect summer day and then she took her last breath and that was it and it was just like, what, what do you do next? Like, wait, what? I, like, this is, this, this just didn't happen. Mm. Like, it was so hard to process, but it was almost in a way a relief because the last few, you know, months it was, it was hard and she was in pain and she was quite literally hanging on probably just for us. And it was okay to tell her like, it's okay to go. Yeah. And um, moving forward, even just that day, it was like, okay, well, there's still half the day left. Like, what do you, what do you do? And we just came together as a family and said, you know, do what you need to do to process this, to take the time that you need. I remember just sitting in my, um, in my front porch area, just literally listening to the silence. And in that moment, knowing like, wow, my mom is right now, like, walking through the gates into heaven into the most peaceful place into the most happy where She is in her healthy body again. My mom was a gymnast just like I am she's up there probably doing backflips and showing off her skills again Mm. and Is with her parents because she lost her parents at a young age and I, I just felt this sense of like wow I can actually be at peace because she's in the heavens like she's where she belongs and she's now where she will be for the rest of her life and I can't wait to be with her one day in my future but it was hard and it gets kind of it gets harder as time goes on because it starts to set in that it's real that yeah. I, I haven't seen my mom since that moment and I haven't heard her voice I haven't been able to bake cookies with her holidays are coming up and my mom loved the holidays she was like Santa Claus herself <laughs> loved giving gifts loved yeah. making other people's day and there's so many things now that I've already missed out on with her that I typically, you know, had traditions. First day of school, she wasn't there to make me coffee and send me off. And um, birthdays, she's not here for anymore. And to just always have to wake up in the morning. And I was so used to taking care of her. To not have somebody to take care of was like, well, now now what do I do? I take mm. care of myself? That's weird. Yeah. And I think grief... Is a blessing because now you have this new perspective on life that most people, especially at my age at 20 years old, don't have. I know from firsthand experience how short life is. And I know the importance of living in the here and the now. My mom's saying, and we made this a highlight at her service, and when we made t-shirts for my mom, we even put it on the back was present over perfect. And um, it was actually a book I'd given my mom the last year of her, the last Christmas that she had had, I'd given her this book. Oh, wow. Called Present Over Perfect. You can look it up and buy it on Amazon. <laughs> um, and when we were in the hospital, the first time she was kind of halfway through reading it. And um, I would sit there and, you know, when she was in her in her sedated state, I would read to her and You know, I knew she could hear us because the doctors had talked to her. She can hear you. So we would read this book to her and we ended up finishing reading it. And, um, when she had woken up from her, from being in a coma, she just had this, like, just fascination with the phrase being present over perfect. It would come out of her mouth 20 times a day, like, um during that first, for, um, that first month of recovery from her first surgery. And from that moment on, the rest of her fight, we'd always just said, like, remember to be present over perfect. Enjoy the mm-hmm. time you have now rather than stressing about what you don't have or, you know, stressing about not being put together or not having everything figured out with school, work, relationships, whatever it may be, just where your feet are right now, live there. And that was a lesson my mom taught us all. And with her passing, I've still continually reminded myself to be present over perfect because you don't have forever here on this earth with these people around you. And my mom left her her legacy and her imprint because I do believe she completely fulfilled everything she needed to fulfill here on earth and her time was her Mm -hmm. time was up. But that that phrase just is something now that I have to remind myself on the daily because it's easy to live in the past because that's where my mom is. And it's easy to also <laughs> just daydream about the future where one day I will have everything figured out and or fear the future because my mom isn't there. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to to be in those two places and not be in the present. Yeah. So grief really enables you in a way to have this perspective on life like, wow. I have gone through something that has now completely changed everything and God brings blessing in ways that you don't understand and I wouldn't say that my mom passing was a blessing in the moment but looking back at it it's brought so many blessings it's brought so many relationships into my life and helped me clear out some that weren't positive and healthy and has really enabled me to to relearn how to live here and now where my feet are planted Mm -hmm. and not to worry so much about what hasn't happened or to worry as much about what's already way out of, you know, my control. Now things have happened in the past, let's move forward. Let's gather yourself. And, you know, my mom would want me to be happy and not dwell that she's not here for all these moments physically on earth because, you know, at my college graduation at my wedding, When I have a child, she will know before all of those things happen and she'll be there. Mm. And so I get a blessing of having a guardian angel that is, you know, my best friend and my mom and I can talk to her whenever I want still. And I've learned to do that. And so grief is a heavy thing. It's a hard thing. A lot of people don't understand it. And I would have had no understanding or connection or be able to relate to it until I'd gone through it and... I think it's just really opened my eyes to a lot of new things and a new appreciations in life. Like I can look outside and and not just see things for what they are, but understand that a lot of things have deeper meaning and value. And, mm. you know, just even letting grief come as it goes. You know, yeah. there's hard days that are hard to get out of bed and sad days, days where I'm really happy for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do believe that I am meant to go through this so that I can help other people that have gone that will go through it at some point, you know, I hate to break it to you, but people die yeah. it happens every day, you know, and you can't avoid that. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can outrun whether you believe in God or not. Like it's something that we all will face at one point and it sounds insane to say but I was lucky enough to face it at an age where I could learn about it and learn how to better myself from it as I progress in my own life and carry her with me through all those things and you know hopefully be able to change somebody else's life when you know they go through the same thing and I can be there to tell them you know I've been through it I don't have all the answers but I'll I'll walk there with you and I'll sit there in those sad moments with you or Mm. I'll, I'll be there to remind you that things do get better with time as Mm. much as time sucks looking at clocks it just you know I always think that time was robbed from me or robbed from my mom but everything around you is also just I think I've realized a lot of things in life are just temporary you know things don't last for forever pain doesn't last for forever happiness from getting into your dream school or winning that championship doesn't last forever Mm. you know uh, boyfriends that you think are the one don't last for forever <laughs> like there are s- yeah. there's there's so much more good to come with time and I think the less that we can hold on to things with um so much like hope and and faith in this to be like your forever is almost what God wants us to do because we want to just put that hope and faith in him and not in worldly things mm. and the more I've let go of of that, okay, well, now I have to hold on to this because I've lost so much in my life. I can't lose anything else. I have to hold on to this. I can't lose it. I can't lose it. Like the more I've let go of that and just held on to God and held on to my faith, the more that I've been able to put one foot in front of the other and just walk in the present, walk in the here and the now and appreciate the blessings that, you know, I've already had and that are to come. And that's the biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody that mm. will one day face this is just that, you know, you have to keep your chin up and just take every day as a new day because you aren't guaranteed the next The next day. Yeah. Mm.
0: Wow. Yeah. I love your this is not forever statement. I tell a lot of my friends that because, yeah, I've dealt with heartbreak too and, you know, chaos in, in life. But, you know, do I feel that tremendous pain that I did in that moment now? Not necessarily because yes, like you said, it takes time. Mm -hmm. And you get to that point of like, okay, I think now I can let it go and rely on God's faithfulness rather than my own Mm -hmm. brokenness. Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. On the on those same lines um, of grief. How would you define grief for yourself? Like what what does, you know, Bethany going through grief look like? I would say that grief
1: when it first hit me was like a tornado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it coming at me was the scary thing that I knew was coming closer and coming closer and coming closer. Like you could see it in the distance. I knew it was coming. Um, but I, I was doing everything in my power to avoid it. And grief now to me is just, it's just a part of my, a part of my life, but it is not my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't want to be known as the girl who just lost her mom. Like, that's not who I am. Mm. Like, my mom is still a part of me. She will always be a part of me. And I'm so lucky to have a relationship with God, to have that security, to know that I will see her again. And, um, you know, but I do have to let it be a part of my day-to-day life because if you don't go through the process of grief, you're just going to one day hit a wall and it'll be so much harder to go back and feel all those emotions rather than just dealing with them now and letting it slowly make sense over time rather than trying to just make sense of it all later Hmm. and that's good yeah and so grief is so different for everybody even my sister my dad we all handle and cope with things on such a different level and I really appreciate that I think it's actually kind of cool to see how people deal with things and take inspiration from it but be like oh wow that works for you it does not work for me (laughs) let me tell you like you know I like to go work out and I like to be social and be around people but I also need my time where I go sit on the beach and I just let the water come over my feet and just as it goes back and it comes back again you realize that things come and go and I just have to take things in but not let them control my you know entire day so I sit Mm. in those moments I feel them but I again grief is a part of me but it is not me and Mm. um, I really urge anybody that is again and grief can come in all forms of you know you don't have to go through death to face grief I think that there's so many other avenues in life that people feel like they've lost something or someone and it's still the same process you still have to go through those same motions and nobody's grief is worse than somebody else's or less important than somebody else's. Like if you've gone through something, you deserve to, you know, feel those emotions and you deserve to have, you know, the time and space that you need, but you do have to come to it at, at your time. You can't be forced to go feel those things, but the best thing you can do is just face them head on and not avoid them as scary as they are. Um, you know, find a Find a small group or a therapist or confide in somebody that you can trust. And um, the best thing you can do is talk to people and keep that person. If you did lose somebody, keep them in your life. Like I talked to my mom as much as I can. And, you know, I, when I pray to God, I almost in a way I'm still, um, you know, talking to him as if I, you know, am talking to her. I, I, I try to keep her in my day-to-day life so that I'm not just, you know, again, uh, avoiding those feelings and the pain or the heartbreak that has come with a lot of what I've dealt with in my past. And I think that, you know, grief can truly be an added armor from God to your, you know, strength as you move forward with life, because I'm going to go through things that, you know, I I might go through, I not might, I will go through death again at one point in my life, Mm -hmm. or I will go through another heartbreak. And, you know, if I can get through this, like I know I can get through anything, but it doesn't mean that I have all the strength in the world to face everything and have no fears. And like, I'm this super tough right. person that's because I've gone through, you know, death that I can face anything. It's like, no, I can only face it because I have God quite literally holding my hand and guiding me and I worship him. And that's where I can get my release and I can feel like, okay, I don't have to have it all together. Like I can have my moments and I can be second. God wants me to feel those things. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, grief is a part of my life. It just isn't my life. Mm. Can't let it define me. And I think that's a huge theme with our conversation is that idea of having to always have an identity or a label because our society is so focused on that. And, um, I actually went on like a social media detox for a while because I think it just got hard to see so many other people's lives, you know, labeled as whatever they're doing or seeing people so happy with their, um, you know, lifestyle right now and comparing and just being like, why am I not feeling that, you know, because we're on such different journeys, like my journey right now is so different than even yours and even of my sister's, like you cannot compare, comparison is a thief of joy, I will say it till I'm blue in the face and um, I just think that, you know, every day, like I said, you just... If you want to find yourself and if you want to really move forward from a really tough season of life, I think that you have to kind of step away from, you know, the, the worldly aspect of, of life and kind of just sit in a little bit of a season of stillness, emptiness, might feel lonely. That's how yeah. I feel right now because I've extracted a lot from my life in my day to day activities Um, but I think in that stillness and in that emptiness is when you're able to really process your grief and process those emotions and feelings and you're able to hear more of your own thoughts and God's thoughts than you know those of the world telling you, oh, read this self-help book on grief. You'll feel better. Mm. You know, and that's what I got caught up in with all that social media jargon Mm -hmm. and just feeling like, oh, it's been three months. I should be at this stage because this Mm -hmm. is what this Ted talk told me I should be at, you know? And, and so I think it's just been really helpful to eliminate all those distractions and just really sit with myself so I can hear God and hear again my own thoughts and, and know really where I'm at, reflect on it. And Mm -hmm. then once I feel like I've secured you know, a a steady foundation again, then I can go ahead and work my way back into maybe the busier lifestyle I was living and, you know, invest more into other things that can take up my time. But right now I just have to take time for myself. It's Mm -hmm. not selfish. You know, you have to do it at some point.
0: Yeah. Wow. I am just blown away by your wisdom right now Mm -hmm. in this space. What you've been through, obviously, emotions are high pain is high struggles are really really high but you to be able to process things out and clearly share like hey I'm in this with you whoever's Mm -hmm. listening and feeling that pain too but this is what I've learned Mm -hmm. I think is such a healthy space to be in so like with that I'm super proud of you like that I think I mean just in the in the moment of of trauma like that that it's it's real Mm -hmm. it's big and it could be a big thief of your joy Mm -hmm. and of your healing but like where you're at now that is yeah that's huge yeah and I think you just have to appreciate like even the
1: worst seasons of your life because there will be a season where you're you know happy and you are thriving and you are involved with you know, a community of people that lift you up and you might have that relationship or you might have that dream job. Like those seasons will come, but to be able to, to feel and walk through a really hard one, there's something so special about that because you are set up to understand that life isn't always happy sunshine, rainbows, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. like it's not your Instagram reel highlight where everything is, you know, filtered to look a certain way that you want it. That's not reality mm. and to be able to have that reality check and be like look life can really hurt sometimes yeah but i i think i've i've been in so many different like seasons and areas and i've planted myself in in places where i truly thought that i would grow and i didn't and that's hard to come to terms with but the best thing you can do is Go try to plant yourself somewhere else until you feel like, wow, this is where, you know, I belong for the moment, but if I outgrow it, I can go somewhere else. Like, you're not stuck. Like, you're not, this isn't mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. This pain, this circumstance, this class that you really don't like because mm-hmm. the professor assigns too much reading. Like, you're not going to be stuck in it for forever. And um, there's so much good to look forward to. And I just think that that's the most beautiful thing about life is that it, you can shoot, like, joy and your positive outlook on life is a choice, but you have that choice to make. So make it.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, that's so good. Yeah. Dang, girl. Wow. That's Preach. Awesome. Oh, I know. Preach. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, I love it. Um. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. it's that's a lot. You know, sometimes.
1: I'm like, wow, do people really want to like sit here and listen to all I have to say? (laughs) I mean,
0: yes, I think, I mean, your, your presence on social media is really, really cool. I know you're taking a break right now, but, um, you've been able to speak a lot of light into your followers and, you know, even in just conversations with people in person. But, um, I think people knowing like the struggle and the pain that you went through, But to still see God's light shine throughout that whole thing is Mm -hmm. something people are drawn to. So I am deeply praying that this podcast would be something that people are drawn to. Well,
1: and like what a blessing it was to, you know, the moment I found out my life changed, you know, God put you there in that moment. So like I, I do believe that people have come into my life during the worst times of my life, truly because of God, you know, knowing that I would need relationships and people that I could go to and, you know, have them give me the correct advice to trust the word of God and Mm -hmm. to fall back on that. And, um, I, I I just think it's crazy that, you know, we are sitting here now and not even fully a year later and the conversation is so much different, but it's so powerful and I wouldn't be able to share this knowledge and truth if I didn't go through such a horrible experience but that's why I want to share it like what good am I doing to the rest of the world like why would God have put me through all that you know unless there's a reason that I can share it and even if it's just one person that's like wow like I'm so glad I'm not alone in this Mm. then it's worth it it's worth being brutally honest and vulnerable it's not easy but it's it's worth it yeah wow that's so
0: good. Uh, yeah. With all that to say, yes. man, I, I know I, I agree being, you know, reconnected with you and saying where we're sitting at right now mm-hmm. to unflesh whatever God's doing in your life to then speak life into other people is Huge, yeah, so cool. Um, wow, I feel honored even just being here on my own podcast. Well, like like, it's
1: crazy what God can do with you. Like if you, but you have to like actively participate in it. You have to, you know, want to make those things a priority. But once you are like, yes, God, like Mm I am so in it for you, and I want to, you know, do amazing things and 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 spread your message because it's what's gotten me to where I'm at. I feel like the opportunities are like Mm -hmm. endless even Mm -hmm. for you like what you're doing with this podcast is amazing Mm -hmm. and I think uh, things like this are are truly changing people's lives and and you you know don't necessarily get to see it but you know in your heart Mm -hmm. that people listening to you know these stories or when they get to have a conversation with you they have this sense of like wow you know I once thought that not a lot of people cared, but this, you know, this person's able to sit in front of me and just, you have an amazing ability to listen and sometimes not even always have to say anything, but like you feel so connected and like so appreciated and valued by just being in your presence. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I'm so honored to have that in my life because... (laughs) I know I need it. And a lot of people know I need it. And so to be able to have resources like that, it's just, I wish everybody could have a tailor in their life.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. It's true. it's true. Thank you. I, those words mean a lot. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Um, to co- kind of conclude yeah. this. Wow. I just said that really weird to kind of conclude this episode with you. Um, I know we're, we're coming to an end with kind of you sharing your story mm-hmm. and, all the wisdom that you have um but what is next for bethany yeah what is next I would love to know too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. What
1: I would, do you think I is would, nice? I would love to honestly have a sneak peek into like a year from now. Cause oh, I feel dang. like big things are coming. Like oh, I, yeah. I know these next few months of my life are cause I'm, I'm in more of a transitional season I would say mm-hmm. now. Um, but I'm, you know, finishing up my last semester here at, um, the local community college and Ooh, as silly as it sounds that I'm so excited to oh. transfer onto the next chapter of my life and With this whole idea of studying, not another major of sociology. Um, I've always thought I had this dream career of being a broadcaster or public speaking, writing a book. Those are all things I'm very passionate about, and I would love to continue to work on but my heart has just been pulled the more and more that I reflect on my experience at the hospital actually Um, we had uh, an amazing team of social workers and nurses and um, case managers there and one lady in particular who works more with the families of patients and they help aiding in any of the resources you need emotionally with therapy or financial resources resources to help you transition from one floor of ICU to recovery floor to you know inpatient or outpatient to then going home or a hospice or for radio, like whatever, you know, your story is with your reasoning and being in the hospital, um, this lady is there walking hand in hand with you and is more of the, um, I would like to like guidance counselor, like you can go to her for anything and she'll be there to support you. And she doesn't wear a white or he doesn't wear a white coat. They're not a nurse. They're not a doctor. And they have, um, you know, a lot of responsibility to just be there for the family and, you know, make sure that their experience during such a vulnerable and sometimes life you know altering state um, that they're getting the support that they need Hmm. and um, in one of my sociology classes we were learning about these professions and I was like wow I don't think I've ever realized that um, that could be an outlet for me to explore and something that I know going through firsthand I would be great in and part of me wants to you know give back to a hospital that did help my family so much so right now I'm kind of exploring there's a lot of things that I want to do and I think that's what's cool about college too is that you get to kind of explore avenues and go through different um, opportunities to figure out what you want and that's kind of where I'm at you know Um, I have so many passions and things that I'm working on but educationally and um what I want to do for my career, I think has kind of in the last month, honestly, like in the last month, has completely changed. Mm. And I think it's just because I've gotten rid of so many distractions and things that have, you know, this is what I should do. This is what people want me to do. This is what I've told everybody I want to do, but I changed my mind, but I don't really want to admit that I've changed. Like (laughs) that whole, like being humbled again and going through a transitional season. I think I've kind of realized like, wow, I think there's something out there meant for me. That's, you know, not something I would have ever expected, but that might be where I, um, I belong. So I'm kind of exploring those things and I'm reaching out to some internships and just doing a typical college day to day studying for biology tests and exams and, <laughs> right. um, but still exploring, you know, those opportunities of public speaking. And, um, I actually get to go speak at local high schools for their fellowship of Christian athletes, which, you know, yes. fits hand in hand with my story. And I get to share my story and I get to, you know, be there for, a st- you know, high school athletes that are maybe dealing with some injuries or deciding where they go to college or if they continue with the sport or if they're not going to do it anymore and how does that feel and all those things that I've, you know, been through and walked through and um, it's amazing to see the looks on their faces like, wow, Mm. (laughs) like – I, you know, you know, I realized in high school, I thought that life would be this way for four years at a college and it's been completely the opposite. (laughs) So there's so many things that I'm blessed with going through that I get to go and speak my story, you know, even on your podcast. And, um, again, one day I would love to write a book and I've actually started working on that when it comes out. (laughs) I have no idea, Mm. but, um, you know i think that there's a lot of things that i am gifted with from the lord that i want to you know share with the world but then there's also some things that i'm like wow i would love to learn more about this because i just think that the you know the mind the the body the soul the spirit everything is so connected and going through the experience that i went through and having somebody that was like i get it and I want to make this experience, even though, you know, it's not fun, it's not easy, I want to help you in any way I can, especially again at a hospital where you're around so much sadness, to be a light in a place day-to-day where you're working with upwards of 30 to 40 patients. I think that's something that, uh, you know, not a lot of people can handle emotionally, and I do believe that it, you know, is something that I could see myself um, being able to do and do well. So I'm exploring that, which is exciting because it's something I never would have expected. But I think God's been speaking to my mind. The more that I've cleared out other distractions, I've been able to hear him more, understand more of what I want. And, you know, I'm in my junior year of college, so I'm starting to really make those bigger decisions, like, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to really pursue? And that's kind of where I'm at, you know? So it's this split 50-50 of, like, I could go this way or that way, but what a cool opportunity that I could kind of test them both out at the same time and, um, in a dream world, be able to do everything. But, (laughs) you know, for right now, we're just getting through this semester and um, being there for my family and and friends and taking care of myself and investing in my own mental health and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just – living life each day because new things are coming my way every day that I won't expect. And, um, I think just being able to have an open mind and open heart is helping me to be more clear on what is next. Yeah. 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 Oh,
0: that's so great well yeah I can I mean therapy that's a big thing yeah you're stuck into therapy now
1: and yeah and it's it's one of those things that you have to kind of get over the idea of it being selfish because it's not Mm. and I even found myself telling my therapist I was like you know I've done this before I didn't really know if I needed it again like yeah I like you have to like really break that wall that first time you're there again and just be like this is a safe space and this person is here just to listen Mm. and um you you find yourself talking about things that you didn't realize were bothering you or hurting you. Um, And I think creating that safe space through, you know, wherever you find your support. Again, it could be a small group. It could be a best friend if you don't, you know, have the resources to find a a therapist. But I, I think that God gave um, therapists and or he put them here on this earth for an amazing reason, and that is just to help people through these you know hard seasons of life yeah. that um you know will come and go. But I think it's a great investment to make in your own health, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually, yeah. and um, planting myself finally because one of my mom was sick and I was her caregiver. It was really hard to go to church to even leave the house was hard at some point. So to be able to feel like I can fully immerse myself back into our young adults at Eastside go every Wednesday you know enjoy my weekends at the big service find a small group for this new season of life I feel like I'm finally like getting back into my groove of like ugh, I can be selfish and do things that I want that make me happy finally and it's not a bad thing it's what you should do at this age and mm. take as much time as you need to figure out what you want and that's yeah. kind of what I'm doing and it's it's finally like ugh, it's like freeing you know yeah. For such a long time, I was so used to taking care of somebody else that I really had to relearn how to take care of myself and to still am every day, you know. And um, I think that, again, having having people in your corner like you to remind you, like, this you got you this, are. this is who you are, yeah. like, you know, is, is so important. Mm.
0: Well, thank you for speaking on yeah. that and just literally just being here. I yeah. love your presence here and just thank like you. the way that you communicate and share share hardship but also share so much hope yeah for people hopefully listening to this today yes there's uh, always hope yeah
1: but you gotta choose it you mm-hmm. gotta choose to see it you gotta choose to be positive find joy
0: mm.
1: you gotta feel the emotions as they come but I think every day if you can go to bed being grateful you know and you know even just saying one thing that you're thankful for and um, reminding yourself that you know there is so much to be grateful for is you know The more you speak it out into the world and the more that you say out loud, I'm thankful for this amazing cup of coffee today. (laughs) It will taste better. Yeah. You know, it will. And life will taste sweeter. Yeah. Like it, it honestly is just it's so true. The more you just say it out loud instead of just you know being like oh I think that girl's outfit is like so cute like go tell her yeah. say it out loud <laughs> you know I think yeah. it's so important to just like sh- not just hold positivity and like happiness into yourself like mm-hmm. share it with the world mm-hmm. it is contagious like a smile is contagious mm, that's good yeah
0: oh that's such a good way to end this wow thank you thank, thank you, you thank you for being thank here thank you so much yeah yeah this was Amazing. <laughs> Your story is amazing. Beth. Yeah.
1: And it's crazy because it's not even over. Like, yep. I feel like I've lived a full life and I'm <laughs> only 20. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot more to come. Yeah. And it's exciting it for cool you too. To, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's amazing to see uh, people step into this and yeah. for you to be so comfortable to share yeah. for people to hear it's so fun well thank you again thank you guys for listening yes it was so fun so fun okay and then i'll cut it out thank you there good job that was amazing